first reading is Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 through to 53, chapter 53, verse 6. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. It's very good to see, as James says, your eyes. Uh, my name is Richard, one of the ministers here, and uh, for a few minutes we're going to consider that second uh, reading from Ephesians. Let's pray together as we come to it. The voice of the Lord is over the waters, the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry, glory. 
Father, when we uh, hear your word uh, rightly, when, as uh, Paul prays for the church in Ephesus and for us, that the eyes of our hearts are enlightened, that we would see you rightly, it is true that there is something in us that cries glory. And we pray that would be true this evening, that your spirit would be at work, that we would hear your voice as the wisdom and the life and the light and the glory that it is. And our hearts would respond rightly. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us uh, for any of our Sunday evenings in August, we've been uh, thinking what we have when we have Jesus. And uh, we've been very slowly working through this chapter, Ephesians uh, chapter 1, and seeing when we have Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing in him. And it's been slow that we've worked through the chapter, but yet it still feels like we've just skimmed the surface. Uh, in Jesus, we have, uh, we've been chosen to be holy and blameless. We've been predestined, adopted as children. We've been forgiven and redeemed, and he's made known his plan to us. Uh, we've been given the Holy Spirit and included, and we have a future inheritance. And all of this, Paul says, we have when we have Jesus. And I find there's just one problem uh, with what we have when we have Jesus, which is that come Monday morning, I've forgotten it. Uh, so here we are in church on a Sunday evening, and uh, to some extent, some of my heart says, yes, yes, I see that, I hear that. I join with Paul in saying, praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And on Sunday, I feel some of that. And on Monday, I don't see it. I don't hear it. I forget it. And at the news or what's happening in my house or the frustrations of life or the fact that I have a cold or whatever it is, that seems more real, more present, more annoying. And I forget what we have when we have Jesus. And I take it from the way Ephesians 1 is written that I'm not alone in that. I take it from just talking to people that I'm not alone in that. But uh, the Ephesian church was in the same place. Because Paul has written to them what would they have when they have Jesus. And the next thing he does is praise that they would see it and they would know it. Uh, Nicky read for us, uh, Paul writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering in your my prayers. I, I've heard that you trust Jesus. I've heard that you have Jesus and that with him you have everything, every spiritual blessing. I thank God for that. And what do I pray for you? I mean, you have everything. What does Paul pray? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Paul is praying for this church. That they know God. He's told them they have every spiritual blessing in Jesus. He's praying that they would know it. That they would see it with at the eyes of your heart. That they, that we, would grasp, would see, would know, would remember what we have in Jesus. If the Ephesian church needed Paul uh, to pray that for them, I need uh, that prayer. And I imagine if it's them and me, it might be some of us as well. Paul prays that we would know what we have 
when we have Jesus, that we would know God and the blessing that he gives us. And in particular, there are three things that he's hoping, he's longing, he's praying that the Ephesian church would know and see. Uh, Three things. He uh, prays, uh, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know uh, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He prays that you would know uh, the hope, the inheritance, and the power. Now, the third of those, the power, we're going to think about next week. Uh, Paul sort of elaborates that over the next few verses, so we'll leave that till next week. Uh, So for this evening, Paul is praying that we would know uh, the hope to which God has called us and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It's looking towards the future, a future hope, a future inheritance. And Paul is praying that we would know, see, take to heart, grasp those things. So firstly then, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you, that we would know our hope. And in one sense, of course, we do know the hope to which he's called. If you've been a Christian any length of time, we said this evening, the creed, we believe that Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. We believe those things. We know those things. And yet Paul would pray that we would know It seems to me it's a little bit like uh, this. In in our house, when it's bedtime, uh, children's bedtime, and we're reading a Bible story in their room, and it's normally somewhat chaotic, uh, in our house at least. And uh, the prayer we pray when we're reading the Bible together is this. Father, please would you show us Jesus when we read the Bible? Father, please would you show us Jesus when we read the Bible? Daniel, our two-year-old, is just kind of, he's becoming a a hoover for words and a a parrot, so he'll try and join in. Jesus, read Bible. Amen. That's his attempt at it. It's kind of cute. Uh, Please really show us Jesus when we read the Bible. Um, Abby, our older, about a year ago, so she was about three, uh, she went through this little phase where I would pray that prayer. She'd join in. She can say all the words. And uh, then she would take the Bible from me, and she would flick through it, and she'd find uh, one of the stories of Jesus doing a miracle. And she'd say, look, there he is. There he is. We've prayed that we would see Jesus, and look, I've seen him. Uh, and it was, it was sweet. But she hadn't quite grasped how big it was what we were praying. Not just that we'd be able to find, not, you know, where's Wally? Can we find Jesus in the Bible? Because that's pretty easy. As a grown-up, you know, there are no pictures in this Bible, but I can read the Bible. I can read something about Jesus. That's easy. I don't need help uh, for that. But to know Jesus, to see Jesus... Well, that's a work of the Spirit. To get it stuck in my head and in my eyes and in my heart, I need God for that. See, Abby, she could find a picture of Jesus in the Bible, but she hadn't begun to understand how big and how glorious and how wonderful and how beautiful he is. I'm scratching the surface of that. So are the Ephesian Christians. Paul prays that we would know, that we would know the hope to which he's called you. One day Jesus Christ will look each one of his people in the eye one by one and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter into your master's happiness. 
and then he will lean forward and he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And death will be no more, neither will mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the old order of things has passed away. And we know that. If we've been a Christian any length of time, we know that. But if you're like me, we don't know that. That doesn't seem real to me on a Monday morning when I wake up too early. That doesn't seem real to me on a Tuesday when I was planning to go out and I'm caught in the rain. That doesn't seem real to me when my plans are frustrated. Paul prays that we would know the hope to which he's called us. And then Paul prays that we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. See, it's not just us who have an inheritance. God has a rich, glorious inheritance, and it is his holy people. It is us. James read earlier in the service a verse from Zephaniah. The Lord rejoices over you with singing. I don't know how much of a singer uh, you are, uh, what it is, what, how much it takes to move you to song. Maybe that just comes out of you very naturally. Uh, maybe in your life you can't remember ever having sung spontaneously. The Lord rejoices over his people with singing. He's like a, a new parent, so overflowing with joy and love that he wants everyone to know about his church. And don't take this the wrong way, because it really is a joy to be with you and to see you. It's been such a joy these last few weeks. But as I look around the room, it's not obvious to me that God would sing about us. It's not obvious to me that he would. I don't see that naturally. But Paul says it's true. God has a rich, glorious inheritance, and it is his holy people. God rejoices over us with singing. He looks forward with longing to the day when he can inherit us, when he can bring us home, when we're finally, fully, completely his. And Paul prays that we would see that, that we would know that. And I wonder if you begin to get a taste of how that would affect our life together. Ephesians is a letter about the church being all that the church is meant to be, is made to be, is redeemed to be. And as we grasp, as we see, as we know the hope to which we're heading, that God rejoices over us with singing. To the extent that we grasp that, won't we be be that much more ready to serve one another? This is someone who the Lord rejoices over with singing. How can I serve him? Wouldn't we be that much quicker to, to resolve the conflicts that we have? however deep and painful and long-seated they might be, this is someone who the Lord rejoices over with singing. See, Paul knows that as we see these things, as we see God, as we see the blessings that we have in him, the future that we have in Christ, we'll start to live out what we have in Christ. The church will start to be more and more what the church is made to be. And it begins with knowing God. And that isn't as simple as finding a picture of Jesus in the Bible. That's a work of the Spirit. That our eyes would be opened, that our hearts would be opened, that we would know him. And so Paul prays. I'm going to lead us now in a prayer, uh, which is just uh, the words of Ephesians 1. 
uh, because as uh, the church in Ephesus needed it, the church in Platt, we need exactly the same thing. We need to know the Lord. Let's pray together. We ask you, our God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, would you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know you better. We pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in his holy people and your incomparably great power to us who believe. Father, on a Sunday evening, would we know those things by the power of your Spirit? And on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday afternoon, would we know them and see them and hold them? Would you reveal yourself to us in Christ by your Spirit?